Our episode three recap of Tough as Nails is sponsored by our friends over at HelloFresh. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. You can cut down on your grocery bills by saving up to 40% instead of shopping at your local grocery store. And it means one less trip to the store for you. HelloFresh's Easy Eats also offers tons of quick and easy meal solutions like 10 to 20 minute meals, low prep recipes, and quick breakfast and lunches perfect for your busy schedule. It's such a treat whenever Nicole and I get to do HelloFresh. It makes any night into a special night. I make things like Southwestern shrimp tacos, sweet soy pork tenderloin. I love that it has an easy to follow recipe with beautiful color pictures. Everything comes in a paper bag with all of the ingredients that I need and it can turn a boring dinner night into a special date night, which is very hard to do right now. So thank you. Hello Fresh. Here's how to get 10 free meals with free shipping from HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash RHAP10. Use the code RHAP10, the number 10, RHAP10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com, RHAP10, the number 10. Use code RHAP10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. back uh season two uh, week three is in the books this is rob sisternino punching in for duty here for my shift here on our tough as nails uh recap and uh with me as always uh ready to drive the bulldozer and the forklift and all of the equipment give it up for mike bloom yeah, between your talk about being on duty and then all the dump count that quite literally showed up a uh, lot, you know, season two emphasis on two in this particular episode with all the euphemisms going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. OK, uh, Jessica Lee uh, cannot be with us today. She is still she did not leave the show. Her hands she's are still, fine. Her eyebrows are fine. She's, she's fine. Good. She's fine. She will be back. She will be back. Uh, just had just a, a lot on her plate. At her day job, uh, could not join us uh, this week. And also, uh, uh, no Phil. Uh, Phil had mentioned last week that he was going to uh, be booked up on uh, today. So uh, hopefully, Phil will rejoin us uh, either next week or later on in the season. Uh, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk to Phil eventually because I've got a lot of questions. I think mm-hmm. you and I are going to talk through what was an interesting episode of tough as nails that i think has quite a number of large ticket items to get into and really try to do our best at least of reading between the lines before phil eventually comes in and like debunks all the all the stuff we try to come up with here yeah we'll have some uh speculation for sure here as we talk about uh some third hour speculation yeah spec mix speculation uh there we go yes okay all right. Do, uh, do, this season, can we call this like the aggregate season? If last week was the sp- last season with the spec mix season, because this is the second episode out of three that featured aggregate heavily. A lot of aggregate. Yeah. So uh, last season, we only got like, what was it? Pebble stones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Gr- like general types of gravel. Pea stone yeah. is what it was. Pea stone. Sure. Pea gravel. Pea gravel. Pea gravel yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had our uh, road building challenge uh, followed by operating the bulldozer mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, an ot fake out yeah exactly so real up and down episode much like a blade i suppose mm-hmm. uh not necessarily dug in the ground the entire time we, yeah. we had a lot of stuff to negotiate around with a big fake out here rob it wouldn't be a show with phil kogan if there wasn't a non-elimination episode <laughs> every once in a while it, yeah yeah tough as nails got its first nails. one now does this mean that that Knuckles and Angel have to face a speed bump in the next episode? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, and if there is a speed bump, is it on the mm. road that they built last time? 
Right, exactly. What's the gradient? The speed bump on that? is literally go put a, build a speed bump on the road they made last time. That'd be interesting. Like before you can move on to to help your team or in the individual challenge, you have to build a speed bump mm-hmm. in the road that you built in the last leg before traveling to the next location. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, let's talk about our top story at this hour. Uh, we had our first ever tough as nails, uh, like uh, uh, exits from the game. Nobody's ever left the game of tough as nails uh, before. And we had not one, but two. Tara, we expected to uh, mm-hmm. not be coming back. Uh, you know, uh, we asked Phil about this. He said we'd have to tune in and see. We did. Uh, she gone. And yeah. then, then the double surprise, r- double raised eyebrows that Mikey eyebrows left the game. Um, so, Mike, there was a, a lot here that was very surprising and shocking about this. Um we didn't even get a goodbye message from Tara. I don't know mm-hmm. necessarily, uh, you know, how, how it all like uh, played out. You would think that we would get some some sort of like, uh, oh, man, like, I mean, we've seen this a million times on Survivor. Like, oh, it sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm out of the game. But, you know, I would, you know, if I would have had a chance, I think I could really help my team. Uh, we don't get that from Tara. Yeah, I wonder if the end of last episode now in retrospect was that kind of moment, right? When she officially clocks out and she like you said she gives that message of i want to stick around and help my team but i possibly don't want to risk my hand and so i guess we didn't necessarily need the follow-up of what like footage of tara meeting with the doctor the doctor saying like no no can do yeah so i mean i i forget if we gave a percentage to this last week but if you had asked me a week ago what's what's the percentage chance that tara does not come back I would say at least 80%. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. I, I think the fact that Phil had to mention in there, as long as she's medically clear, she'll keep going. That pretty much was the the Chekhov's gun of, okay, now we know that she's not going to mm-hmm. come back because of the specific reason that Phil mentioned. It was, yeah. And it, to, to be clear, it was not Tara leaving the game. It was that she got medevac basically, from Tough as Nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the show is such a physical show also that I feel like yeah. that uh, this is definitely like something to, you know, watch for. Like, I wonder, like, if like Tough as Nails goes on for many seasons, like, could these sometimes be like a war of attrition where like how many people can stay in the game? Yeah, I mean, it's going to become the survivor co-wrong of, mm-hmm. you know, blue collar force where it's just stay in through these big, big challenges. You know, I, I also think I haven't really checked out what the discourse was on all the Tara stuff last week, especially after our conversation. I hope people don't begrudge Tara for, you know, the attitude that she put on and even just her her temptations to possibly leave the game, despite Angel shouting to her at the end of last week. It's two thousand dollars. Don't you know how much money that is? You're helping so many people out. I mean, I, I sort of give her the same thought that I give to to B. Nguyen when she was on Survivor David versus Goliath of. Yeah. Money now would be great, but if it's at the expense of you not making money later, including mm-hmm. the income that you use to keep the lights on, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And especially considering this this path where in the very first episode of the series, Phil was like, look at these calloused hands. Look at these people who work with their hands every day. You'd expect if if these people received injuries that could put their money makers in danger, they can and should take an opportunity to not risk it to get that biscuit. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Mikey eyebrows here because uh, Phil did not give us a lot of information on the show. Uh, He said that uh, basically Mikey eyebrows is no longer competing on the show. Uh, Was there anything else that he added? He said he had to go home. Had to go. That's I. That's the way he had to put it. Now that opens up a whole world of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Let so before we 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 try to put on our uh, Sherlock Holmes caps here and magnifying glasses, let us also say, you know, I think the show could have possibly kept things private for mikey's sake it's very clear it could have been something like a death in the family or maybe some other family issue and so so we don't we do not hope everything is okay uh with with, at the uh eyebrows family yeah we we don't mean to uh purposely pry into the private information uh or matters of these contestants what are we gonna do but but i I think we're all left a little confused i mean social media was in a pretty big uproar they still are every tough as nails social media post i see is followed up by what happened to Mikey Eyebrows? And the show at the time we're recording has yet to put out a statement. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just honestly going off of guesswork, our own respective histories of reality television when this type of stuff happens, and Phil's, again, very vague mes- message of how Mikey, quote, had to go home. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
So, uh, Certainly, uh, there could have been a uh, family emergency. That that is yeah. that is very possible. Uh, I I do think that the likeliest scenario that happened was I think that we are filming this during the time of COVID, and mm-hmm. you know Phil talked about like the you know uh, agonizing steps that uh, the production went through to keep protocol in order with COVID. Could, I wonder if Mikey Eyebrows might have, uh, you know, inadvertently or, you know, thought he could get away with, uh, you know, uh, breaking the bubble of tough as nails. Right. I I agree that that seems to me to be the most likely outcome, because I think if we're running through some possible other scenarios that I had seen being debated to that point about covid I do not think he tested positive for COVID. That's certainly a possibility. Phil told that us nobody on the production had, uh, you know, contracted COVID uh, during exactly. the filming. So I think, you know, that actually recently happened with the contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race UK. They mm-hmm. actually had broke. They broke for like seven months to go into quarantine. And then when they came back, someone had tested positive and therefore was disqualified. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case here, because like you said, that's what Phil said to us. Some people speculated that he was removed from the show due to the incident of pushing freight train into the water yeah. last week. I'm going I'm going to bust that myth because no I way. think that because I think had that been the case, I think Phil absolutely uses that as a teaching moment, right? He says, "Mikey eyebrows had to leave the game. Let this be a warning to you all. Do not lay hands on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we want when we want to keep it nice and physical. Yes, we work with our hands, but not trying to to exert physical force on one another i think that would more so be a moment to keep your dirty really, hands to yourself mikey exactly keep it in your pockets your mm-hmm. savage pockets I, I think that that would really be a moment for phil to talk to both the contestants and us about what those rules preclude i think more so like you said there are more invisible rules of the show this particular season when it came yeah. to all the covid protocols between the red zones and the green zones that phil was going into whether it was something like he had someone visit him from outside the bubble to maybe even he just like got seamless one night from someone that was outside the bubble. Considering the strict restrictions that had to be put in mm-hmm. place, I can imagine that there's a zero tolerance. If you break any of those rules, it's it, it like opens up right. for contamination. And you need because to be off. that on the show that everybody that all the, the contestants are sort of like, uh, I, I would imagine that they have uh, gotten someplace. They've been quarantined for that. And we saw this play out with uh, big brother 22 of that. Mm-hmm. They uh, got to, they brought them in and then, okay, you're going to be quarantined for however many days. And then, and then we'll put you into the game. Well, you know, if Mikey eyebrows, hypothetically, and again, rampant speculation, like right. walks out of the hotel and, you know, goes to Starbucks uh, or or whatever and, uh, you know, leaves leaves the bubble like, uh, OK, well, now it's like, well, we got to quarantine him again. Yeah, exactly. And that would be another two week period. And the game is continuing. You can't say, OK, now we have to stop mm-hmm. down for two weeks because somebody left. There's a production schedule that you need to maintain, especially as Phil said, with how tight they had to do with all of these locations i had also heard some stuff that maybe he had his own injury because we do remember him taking he did that take a very bad fall on, on the slime right but i do feel like had that been the case we would have gotten you know on, on survivor we have jeff probe say like hey joe hang on back you know uh the the doctor's gonna take a look at things and that's mm-hmm. usually a sign of uh-oh that's usually not good i do feel like we would have found out a bit more about that you know i think phil would have said Mikey also sustained an injury yesterday. He's not mm-hmm. able to return. What I've usually found with these types of shows is that if they are either vague or just do not mention that a cast member is missing, that means that like they broke some sort of rule that was not obtusely mm-hmm. explicitly stated on the show. So like for example, I know this past season of Love Island on CBS one contestant was removed by the producers and they did not make mention of it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's happened on the challenge as well, which is different than people leaving the game due to incidents outside of the game or getting injured. You know, if, if there's a reason besides breaking this, mm-hmm. this invisible contractual rule set, they let us know. But I think in this instance, it's more likely than not that there was something going on behind the scenes that he probably broke in whatever sense of the word. Yeah. And as a result, they said, "Okay, you, you got to get out of here. You're putting everyone's safety at risk." I have one other theory, 
of that. Okay, so Tara, she ends up getting hurt, and the doctors say, uh, you can't continue, or Tara's like, you know, hey, like, I gotta, this is my, my hands are my livelihood, I can't yeah. uh, mess with this uh, too much. It's only a couple of weeks in, they just got through a particularly uh, punishing assignment uh, on the dock. Is it possible that Mikey Eyebrows is like, look, all right, Tara's out, you know, that, that we're up a person. Uh, this isn't worth it to me. Uh, I'm just going to get out of here. Like, uh, you know, you, you that I'll, I'll make it easy for everybody. You know, she's gone. I'm, I'm going to leave, too. It's interesting. Uh, this isn't know, what I thought just, it was going to be. Listen, I mean, we just had someone leave the challenge who is not unfamiliar to those of the world of CBS reality TV, who sort of took a very similar stance of essentially saying, this doesn't feel like it's for me. I'm leaving the game. That doesn't feel like Mikey Eyebrows to mm -hmm. me. I feel like what we've seen from Mikey Eyebrows through two episodes of the show was someone who is like so OTT, but would rather dehydrate himself until he's left as a husk of a man before <laughs> he ends up giving up on anything. Yeah. I, you know, he talked to that thing of like, oh, I fell on my back, but I was thinking of my girlfriend telling me to get up. He talked about his situation about what living in a two bedroom apartment with four kids. I would imagine that. I, I at least I can't see from my view of him a reason why he would feel like, OK, I'm so pulled away from this game mm -hmm. that I feel like I need to leave at the moment. Maybe he had something something else going on that would made him feel like he had to go back home. But I don't know if I'm seeing it from Mikey eyebrows yeah. in particular. No, I, I still think that uh, the covid protocol is the most likely scenario. Yeah. And I will also say, I don't know, it's, it's not I don't want to sound bad by saying like, oh, I'm not mad at losing him. I will say. He did stick out to me as I think maybe being the most like reality TV type person that we've seen on these two seasons. Mm -hmm. He very much seemed to me like a, a character you would see on one of these other shows. And so I, I'm sort of am, am fine with him not being on the show, that level of extraness. And not to say he was maybe necessarily playing it up for the cameras at all. But I do feel like Tough as Nails, we like to tout the cast as it really representing right. normal people that don't usually get cast on these types of shows. I do feel like someone like Mikey Eyebrows was maybe that exception. Yeah, I think that Mikey Eyebrows like is maybe the one person that you could see like if the Big Brother 23 cast came out, Mikey Eyebrows was there or a Survivor cast came out and uh, Mikey Eyebrows was there. Uh, like, I, I don't know necessarily like... Uh, if one of the other shows is uh, casting, I don't know, pick any of the other Toughest Nails contestants. Right, exactly. Like, I could definitely see Mikey and one of his fellow Masons on The Amazing Race. You know, he definitely seems like someone who whose personality, at least from what was being perceived, was made for reality TV. And again, not to say that I had a problem with that, but I do feel like maybe with him going... It has now opened up maybe some uh, some room in the editing bay for some of these mm -hmm. other contestants to find out a bit more about them. And it also ends up working out really well. We had speculated well, last thank time. Thank goodness it, that he wasn't on the same team yeah. as Tara. Oh, man, or else dirty hands. They might have had to do a team swap then. Just like, let's shuffle things back swap. up and start all over yeah. again. Uh, You're getting traded. It, yeah, because I, you know, they didn't say anything about what was going on. And so... When we hear who was it, maybe Selly says, oh, yeah, we walked into the van. And it was a man down. I thought, oh, that's interesting because they're not in the same van as Dirty Hands. Why would Selly say that? Mm -hmm. And then when they lined up, I saw five and five. And it took until we saw that wide shot as Phil was talking through it to realize, oh, wait, is Mikey eyebrows gone? Mm -hmm. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah. OK, so maybe we'll find out some more about uh, Mikey eyebrows uh, as we go along. Uh, we did have a full episode of Tough as Nails uh, to get to. I mean, we've only talked about the first three minutes. Yeah, though, the three minutes had, had a lot to it. So now we are officially 5v5. I can imagine barring any other extreme, super freaky circumstances. I think this is what it's going to be. But I think this is also the benefit of the format as well, right? This isn't like a Survivor Micronesia where, oh, crap, we got rid of two people in one episode, therefore we have to sort of rejigger things at the end. You mm -hmm. know, it's still, the, still the skeleton is still there. Yeah. It's just now it's five versus five. Everyone's getting a little bit of extra cheddar in their pocket. Yeah, I mean, it did work out for the sake of, like, an injury that the person who was evacuated from the game was the person who was eliminated from the individual competition last week, so... 
uh, that would have made things like if this was like Swifty won the competition and then also like could not continue, that would make yeah. things harder. And then with the non-elimination uh, this week, Mikey eyebrows uh, taking that spot. We are still like on pace for uh, what they were originally planning for the season. Right. I think we're still at 10 episodes with with, you know, one person going home each episode. So I think I think we should be good. I do wonder, though, let's say that Tara had won the overtime, but then still got medevaced. I wonder if they let Swifty back in the competition Mm -hmm. in that regard. They're like, okay, Swifty, now you're still back in it. So it's almost like a mulligan. You get to do this again. I'm sure they'd be more than fine with doing so. Yeah. All right. Mike, uh, did you uh, grab Asher to come watch all of this uh, heavy machinery uh, get moved around? Is he, is so, he a truck I mean, guy? Not yet. Not necessarily. I know we're going to get some talk from Zeus specifically about getting construction equipment for his son. You know, my son is turning two in three months. He's he's more of a car person than a truck person. Mm-hmm. At this point, we haven't gotten any sort of like Tonka toys in the sandbox yet. That doesn't feel like the appropriate age for it at the moment. But as Merrill said, as someone who has gone through that experience as a boy himself, uh, you know, this was very much taking me back to to playing with those types of toys and moving around bulldozers and everything like that. Now, of course, when you naturally navigate tires around a slalom course using your Tonka bulldozer. Mm-hmm. Everything I know about heavy equipment like that, I learned from watching truck tunes on YouTube. Oh, truck tunes. Okay, so what is that like a new school Bob the Builder? <laughs> no, truck tunes. Uh, that it was there. I mean, they're on YouTube. And uh, my mm-hmm. my older son, when he was around, uh, you know, two years old, we would watch just truck tunes all day long, over and over again on YouTube. So is this T? O O N S or T U N E S? Yes. That oh, each, interesting. Each truck okay. has its own uh, individual theme song. Oh, interesting. Because I would think truck tunes would elucidate for its children. It's like, oh, it's cartoon no. trucks. That's why I asked the Bob the Builder question. I didn't realize it was m- melodic. Yes. <laughs> it was musical yes. truck sounds. Yes. Okay. I, I won't even get into it and get them. It's stuck in uh, my head for the whole day. But all right. So we had to go and you had the uh, good product placement with what, what what's the car? The Ford F-150? Uh, F-150. Yeah, Ford F-150. You're going to use it to fill up, uh, to get your dump on. Man, I wish Jess was here. <laughs> <laughs> dump that aggregate all over the road. Level it out with the skip loader. <laughs> make sure it's six inches thick. And then it, once you get four loads in there. You gotta get 150 feet deep. Once you make that road, you can also drive the van across it in victory, and you've won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this was interesting. Uh, watching, you know, who was gonna get what in the in terms of like a machine draft. I was very concerned that there was gonna be a collision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, are you talking about intra team or inter team? Like last episode? Yeah. I was kind of concerned about like the teams, like especially where the, the gravel, there was only one spot to load up the gravel. Mm-hmm. And we did see like, you know, uh, Swifty did make a move like where he cut off the other team. Yeah. I feel like that we're operating heavy machinery. And it, it it is a little bit like I do worry about, like, you know, sort of like what what is the vehicular version of Mikey Eyebrows pushing freight train into the water? If you get in a fender bender, does that come out of your your prize earnings? Mm-hmm. Do you have to give pay off some of that twenty four hundred that you get in your pocket for the to get at the dent out of the Ford F one fifty that you plow <laughs> yeah, into? Yeah, Phil takes it right out of your winnings. Exactly. Like, oh, well, this is your deductible. Thank you so much for for making us pay out pay out of the nose for the insurance on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the closest to it. Does Tough as Nails need a crossing guard <laughs> to just stand in the middle and just make sure? Okay, you yeah. go, you well, stop. Phil knows that guy from uh, where do they go on oh, the yeah, amazing from the race? Philippines. The Philippines. Yeah, the yeah. Philippines. Yeah, the dance, the dancing uh, crossing guard. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a crossing guard on next season. Maybe they'll do a crossing guard challenge, and that'll that'll certainly you know be in their own wheelhouse. The most interesting thing to me out of all this were the choices of who's going to be the team leader because they chose to go with the person who was not necessarily the most experienced with the machines, Mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like if you did that, then you would go with, with what probably Zeus and Scott. And instead they go with Knuckles and Sarah who are more used to the concept of keeping things level, both in terms of uh, keeping even keeled as well as, you know, quite literally visually Mm -hmm. leveled. 
as opposed to someone who necessarily knows their way around the machines. Yeah. It did seem as though, you know, once you come in with the roller at the end, like it just seemed like like keeping things level was like not that big of a concern. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that the level and maybe this just is because of the the good job that those guys did on the skip roller that you didn't necessarily focus on, uh, you know, smoothing out all the bumps. And I guess that was even though, again, it was, as per usual, very close. I guess that's what did Dirty Hands in was Knuckles meticulousness. That she was almost too anally concentrated well, on each segment of but aggregate. But I think Angel was in her ear, like, uh, being like, oh, no, 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 you gotta do, it. like, uh, you know, I, I feel like that he was, like, micromanaging it. And I think eventually she was like, hey, uh, you know, we don't, I think we're, like, overthinking this. Let's just roll it. Yeah, so let's roll with it, quite literally. I mean, this was an interesting episode for Knuckles. I'm certainly glad that she is not out of the individual competition because I very much I like I thought she Knuckles. was going to go out. That's my yeah. my uh my winner pick, Knuckles. I thought this was going to be like she was going to have much like we had Murph in those last couple of episodes of season one, like really struggle. I thought, oh, maybe possible winner Knuckles I could totally is going to hit her rumble. Where Knuckles was in this last episode, <laughs> exactly. Like she, she might have hit her rough patch early on. Luckily, she was able to to smooth it out. But <laughs> I don't know. Where we find out from her later on with this personal content that. This there might be more deep seated issues with Knuckles than just she had a bad day with the construction equipment. Yeah, what what are Knuckles' issues? Well, it seems like it really and I God, I fell for her so much. As as someone who had had, had has dealt and still deals with self confidence issues, she really had a lot, especially during the individual challenge, right? Talking about how well, even during the, the team competition. I never wanted to be leader. You know, I, I'm someone who just likes to keep their head down and not really mm -hmm. give out direction. And then that connects to what she talks about in the individual challenges about how when she was a kid, she was a little bit of a slow learner. And people were at the time during her formative years saying that's because she's lazy or because, you know, she's not a good student. She's shirking her work when it was probably due to to much, you know, uh, more academic circumstances quite possibly a learning disorder i know in absentia jess had posted something about uh the disproportionate diagnosing of learning disorders between men and women and i think knuckles unfortunately might be mm -hmm. a victim of that but due to being raised like that those comments stuck with her through all these years and manifest here where even in her adult years even though she is just a kick-ass person in general if there is something that she doesn't get immediately from an individual perspective, I can imagine she mentally flashes right back to that scared kid in grade school who gets told, well, you're you're not doing well in school because you're too lazy. And then it just you you beat up on yourself. Yeah. Now, I wish that I was on the show so I could have been driving the bulldozer against Knuckles so she could have been feeling better about herself. Yeah, I think she needed a layup, right? <laughs> like they said, like, let's throw someone else in there who's going to have a much worst time so at mm -hmm. least you're gonna though maybe this also be a reprieve right it's this idea of we we heard this a bit with swifty as well in this episode mm -hmm. of once you get that taste of elimination it's not a taste you necessarily want again and maybe that makes you motivates you even harder than someone who has just been coasting this entire time and hasn't really ever been in danger before mm -hmm. yeah i could have been in the bulldozer and then it would have also been especially helpful for knuckles than if my wife was also in the bulldozer with me just <laughs> yeah. like what are you doing what are you doing do you even know how to what I'm, i don't i don't know i don't know that that was sort of the angel knuckles dynamic right mm -hmm. in a manner of speaking it was like they were doing their own five for five on the on the tarmac <laughs> there yeah so. Knuckles, Knuckles flat out told Digital Point, like, just let me do my job, mm -hmm. please. Well, the person who was in the steamroller, uh, that they were just like, I don't know if it was a steamroller, the person with the roller, uh, they mm -hmm. had nothing to do. They just had to, yeah. like, sit there. And I think that that's a very hard job of that. We it, said this last week where I think it was uh, Scott was in that position where you had to, like, just like, uh, if you're in the position where you're waiting for the people to do stuff, like, you have to, like, uh, figure out a way to not make yourself go crazy. Well, what is, was interesting, though, was that this was sort of a too many cooks case in that Angel, I noticed, was standing there alongside Knuckles because he couldn't do anything. Seemed like Meryl was just sitting put in that roller. I don't remember seeing She's her good. down there alongside She's Sarah. So I think Mer Meryl, her job is to sit on the runway. All right. You tell me when to, when to take off. Uh, <laughs> like she's she can wait. 
Yeah, I'll take a nap. Listen, mm-hmm. like I'll take five for the time being. Just wait until you, you call me in. I'll be the, the closer here. And so she was able to work it out. And I do wonder if while it was chaos for Savage Crew, and you know what it was, to be quite honest, maybe the absence of Mikey eyebrows has really helped the synergy of Savage Crew. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Because I, I, th- I think he really was this like big tornado of energy just as a person. And so I feel like last week, you know, when they were they were rushing to catch up and you have him pushing freight train into the water and he's like making things fly around everywhere. He's throwing himself in water buckets. I do wonder when you don't have that Patrick Bolton type, if you will, to speak about a season you just talked about of Survivor on the team. Does the team coalesce more because they more so have the same level of energy? Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, anything else you want to talk about from the team challenge? A Savage crew takes a 2-1 lead uh, with the badges of honor. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, it was relatively straightforward. Again, it was close, but I think one Savage crew quite literally pulled ahead. Mm-hmm. In the case of Swifty, it was really no looking back. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where much like building the garage, you sort of think like, wow, they had to pave and build 150 feet of road work. We have all experienced road work in the past to know like how arduous and lengthy of a task that can be. I also liked Meryl's comment about how next time she sees people working on the road, she'll like roll down their window and yell, I love you <laughs> to them, which is like, is that reverse cat calling to do that to construction workers? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Give them a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think about uh, the final step? Okay. Pick up the cones and now drive on the road. Yeah. That very much seems to me like uh all right, you built the garage. Now, live in there now. That's your new home. You know, this thing of, okay, take a lap, everybody. You've earned it. Congratulations. <laughs> it would be odd, though, if they, like, uh, hit a bump or something and, I don't know, got their, got a flat tire. Would they have to go back and pave it, or were they, like, already done in that regard? <laughs> that, so they have to change the tire on the van to get across the finish line. Yeah, could you imagine if they're like, oh no, massive loss from Savage Crew. They got a flat tire. Now they have to change it in the middle of this construction-based competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that'd be a wild finish, but no, that's not what happened there. Okay, so Savage Crew uh, ends up with uh, their win. Uh, we got some really uh, compelling talk in the damn van this week, Mike. Yeah, so let's start with the uh, let's start with the dirty hands side of things because Zeus. I feel like has been a bit purple over the past couple of episodes, right? He just seemed like the super chill guy, just really keeping calm on dirty hands. And we had no idea that this guy was slated to become a football star back in the day. Yeah, But then he got to college and then uh, realized that they, people were much bigger than him. Yeah. So I, I wonder if he was quite literally the physically biggest person in his school. But as a freight train said, he became a minnow in the ocean, much like freight train himself became last week when he got pushed in the water. Yeah. So I think it was Liz that was saying like, oh, you know, it's uh, incredible to think that this muscly guy also has self-doubt. Well, listen, I think uh, certain recent web comments can tell you that that maybe that one sort of leads to the other. But it's nice to get more personal content from someone like Zeus. I do feel like there are people like Zeus and maybe Irida who, for one reason or another, we haven't heard a lot from yet. And so Zeus also has that athleticism behind him as well, which I think might make him a very compelling person to do well in this individual competition, right? Mm -hmm. And and when you talk about this idea of tenacity coming from an occupational perspective, you could also say that if you have an athletic background or a team background, that's something that's sort of boiled into your blood from a young age. I could see that that Zeus sort of has had that mentality to to do well as a team from the get go. And for Zeus, I think a good life lesson of like he in his town at his school, he was the man. He was numero uno. And then he left and he went somewhere else and realized, oh, no, there's people that are much better than me. Stay. Just stay where you are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Listen, if, yeah, the pond gets yeah. a little, a little, a little, you know, crammed in. But you know what? It's you can lap up all the water that you want to hang out in that small pond. Because when you move into the big pond, <laughs> right. you'll immediately want to. It's overrated. Back. It's overrated. Uh, if yeah, you're exactly. in the little pond and you're the and you're the best, just stay there. Exactly. Listen, this is all about uh, self confidence mm-hmm. and feeding the ego. Make your ego as gluttonous as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, gorge your ego 
as much as you can and become a townie. It's the right thing to do. Do you think he got the nickname Zeus when he was the high school football star or when he started working on the power lines? Yeah, I, well, I would imagine yeah, the Thunder connection makes me think that maybe the the power, the lineman connection. But does that mean like do other like like is one name Thor, <laughs> you know, is one name Storm? Yeah. Are they all nicknamed from pop culture figures or mythology figures that have electricity, mm-hmm. electricity powers? Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, that it may- I, it, I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting if it was indeed his high school football nickname, because I would say those are some very <laughs> studious high schoolers. Like, yeah, yes, they, they you remind studied. me of the Greek god Zeus. Um, and then over uh, in the other van, and I'm still struggling with uh, which team is uh, which team is which. Is this uh, over on uh, the Sa- Savage Crew? Uh, yeah, these are the Savages. This, Savage Crew. So there's a really interesting conversation about race uh, that uh, starts off with uh, you know uh, Meryl and Sally are talking about how like uh, what a relief the first person yeah. not out on the reality show uh, is uh, not a black person. Yeah, and then this leads into a really multifaceted conversation that might have been my favorite part of the episode. Because Swifty makes note of the fact that he is the only black man Mm -hmm. this season. And there is a lot of pressure in that regard. And I think what he is echoing and what Meryl echoes when talking about being the only black woman in her profession, I think speaks a lot about what so many uh, many BIPOC contestants have talked about in the past year up. do in part, Rob, to, to the to the uh, Black Survivor series that you did last year about this idea of when you're a main minority on the show and you're like the only one, mm-hmm. you are representing so much for not only people at home, but people to come. I thought Meryl made a really salient point about how she needs to watch how she acts in the workplace because she could possibly be damning the opportunities for future Black women who want to come into the same opportunities she does. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen that argument a lot again in the past year from these contestants about how, okay, I can't necessarily do this because if there are future black female contestants on the show, they're going to get compared to me. And as a result, comparisons are going to be drawn. They might be granted more unsavory characteristics that I might have that they might not. I think it was an incredibly deep conversation. And look, neither Rob nor I are are necessarily in the place nor perspective to speak about the experiences of, of Merrill and Swifty mm-hmm. and Selly. But I think we can both echo Scott. Yeah. Because, because I think essentially like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Rob, but I think you and I, along with a good amount of people in the past year have, have put ourselves in Scott's shoes of, I did not realize this was happening. I am so happy you, you brought this to light as difficult as it may be. And it, it's opened my eyes to so many other things that I, I due to my own privilege, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have noticed before. Yeah. I think that uh, I very much could empathize with the position that uh, Scott was in and Scott handled things uh, really well. Like, I think that there is like this uh, chicken or the egg component of, uh, you know, uh, race relations where it's like, hey, can, is it okay? Can I, can I, can I ask you about that? I don't, I don't know. Like, is it, is it yeah. more uncomfortable if I talk about it or is it more uncomfortable if I don't talk about it? And so, uh, you know, and, and like, I, I think it was, it was really great that, uh, Swifty and, uh, and, and Sally and Merrill, like, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, made, made him feel comfortable. Like, uh, like, Hey, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're open to talking about this with you. And it's great that you are asking us questions. And there was like a, you know, a real, nice you know conversation that broke out because it was like a safe space for all of the parties that were involved yeah and i think there was also the key about it was that there was a sense of empathy Mm -hmm. on both sides Mm -hmm. and that i feel like especially just in the world today is probably the most important thing to have out there as a person it was that scott was not aware i think of some of the stuff that those three were bringing up and was able to say wow I didn't know of that, but I can absolutely see how painful and pressurizing that is. And I think you have someone like Swifty say, okay, and I also understand from your perspective how like you you want to attempt to see where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And while it may be an awkward situation to broach, I appreciate your ability to do so. And so I, I just it was a great conversation to have. This is the reason why these new standards announced by CBS are so important. This is this is why diversity of stories of people by ethnicity, by gender, etc., are incredibly important because these are conversations that that need to happen from all sides. So I, I was just very happy to see that scene, and I, I hope that 
And I'm excited that people like Swifty and Meryl and Selly were able to find, you know, cohesion with each other. Yeah. As well. We, we've we, you've heard so many times, Rob, especially recently about those that said, well, I was the only black person there and I felt like I couldn't really find anybody. I was happy for for them in that moment that they were able to find each other, mm-hmm. especially on the same team. Yeah. And it was just an interesting juxtaposition of, you know, uh, Scott going from the conversation that he's having there to then like him and Meryl just like immediately yeah. like uh, just crap talking each other of like, uh, like, hey, Meryl, you're not on a, like, a bomber right now. You're in my world, Meryl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when they when they see the bulldozer, Scott's, you know, smiling and Swifty again, the guy that they just saw eye to eye here. Swifty says, yeah, you're happy for now. And Meryl <laughs> says, well, everyone can have a bad day, which again shows how these this these people do not seem uh inauthentically close for the sake of tv mm-hmm. you know we hear this all the time like oh yeah we're like a family out there it only holds to a certain extent you could see that like these are people that enjoy being together whether having serious uh, conversations or clowning on one another yeah no i think that you know first off like the reality tv show thing is real of like you know you're spend like uh, all your waking hours with a group of people like you do feel very close to them uh, especially under the conditions that they're in, especially like mm-hmm. uh, in this, you know, artificial construct of our team versus their team. So like, I, I do think that they probably have gotten like incredibly close in this short amount of time. I also am really happy. I don't know again, if this was an editing thing or just Meryl warming up to the camera. I feel like this was a big fun Meryl yeah. episode, like really lots of fun comments. I love how she loves to say on." Just likes to throw that in there from time to time. This is, yeah, like you said, she's doing the trash talking here. And of course, she ends up going up against Scott as well. I don't know. I'm really, as much as I enjoy Dirty Hands, I'm, I'm happy to keep my Savage stand-up. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the Savage crew personalities in particular, even in the absence of Mikey eyebrows, are just so, so enjoyable. Yeah, you know what? I have Phil talked about how like it was a rivalry between the two teams, but I feel like last season... I feel like that I was more of a uh, dirty hands guy, but I feel like I'm uh, more of Savage Crew this season. Because I think that Savage Crew, at least at this moment, has not undergone some of the more awkward, you know, tension-filled arguments Mm -hmm. that last season did. Uh, And so while they're not completely harmonious, it also seems like a very very personality-filled group as well, right? Like, even just between... Scott, Merrill, and Selly, and you throw Swifty in there too. Like it just seems like a very raucous mm-hmm. group. I think they, they said in the first episode, right? Like they're all the loud mouths. So mm-hmm. I, I think it also helps that we're really going to them for a lot of confessionals as well. <laughs> Mike, uh, we don't get a lot of challenges like this on Tough as Nails, like the time trial with a piece of equipment. We saw this last season towards the end with the forklift, mm-hmm. and then we had. To, I'm trying to remember if there was another one like this. Uh, we kind of had that with like the with like picking up all the garbage and trying to throw it yeah. into the. Uh, the garbage truck uh, as it like ran down the street and then yeah, and we, and we had the we had the fire rescue one yeah. as well where it was okay you know you're you're gonna go individually and then whatever the time is though i think for this sake they said let's pair them off it's going to be easier that way and it also create like a fun little competition between the two mm-hmm. yeah so do you like the time trials versus uh the uh traditional individual competitions you know, I like the time trials in that you can sort of, I guess, and maybe this is us playing into editing, you can gauge still who's going to do well. It's not going to be a complete mystery. I think we knew by the end that it was going to be some combination of Selly, Knuckles, and Angel that were going to go into overtime. So we weren't completely surprised by it. Of course, and I think this comes from like being a Big Brother fan, you always wonder, okay, do they fudge with the times because we don't exactly see what mm-hmm. happens from, from you know the, the click to the second click of the stopwatch. But I, I sort of like this more than, okay, you know, I like the variance at least. It doesn't always need to be, okay, who's going to finish first in a certain order. I'm fine with seeing the various attempts by it, though I do think, you know, some people benefited from going last and getting to see this happen many, many times, as opposed to someone like Scott. I would imagine they actually maybe, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, yeah, we'll have Scott and whoever's partnered up with him go first, just because he knows his way around mm-hmm. it. And so we, we can, he, can, he can sort of show him how it's done. Yeah. Do you think it was an advantage to go towards the end? I mean, I guess Scott w- had the lo- lowest time and went first. Yeah, I think, well, he, that was just a natural attitude. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you don't know the bulldozer at all, I would much rather go later mm-hmm. than sooner. And look, that didn't help Knuckles or Angel at all. I think Angel particularly, I believe he was in that last heat. But you at least get to see, okay, how can people mess up? You might even get to overhear previous contestants talk as others are going up like, 
oh, yeah, I did this and I should have done this. So you can definitely take some advice both in the moment with both your eyes and ears as to what they did wrong that you hopefully don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were a couple people that were very memorable during the bulldozer challenge. Uh, I I really enjoyed uh, Selly driving the bulldozer. (laughs) Selly is great. I think she proves that driving skills or lack thereof, I guess, translate to all types of vehicles. Yes. Right? I, I do wonder because I believe that to operate all this construction equipment, you don't need any special license. I think you just need a commercial driver's mm-hmm. license. So I guess from that perspective, Rob, despite the uh, the skill barrier with certain with this certain bulldozer, do you think it came down to like whoever the better drivers were ended up doing well, relatively speaking? I don't know, because I think it's like a completely different apparatus to try to operate between like the handle. It's not like a steering wheel. I don't know. Sally did tell Mm -hmm. us that she had been recently in a vehicular accident. No? No, she totaled her car by curb hopping. So it wasn't even like a, uh, which I guess from that perspective, I'm glad she was not behind the wheel of the Ford F-150 or she definitely would have been paying for those accidents out of pocket. But yeah, it's not even something of like, oh, I got an offender bender. It was, no, I caused damage to my own car by doing this thing a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Any other highlights or standouts for you on the forklift, Mike? Well, I love that Selly, not only because a few people got their blades stuck in the ground, but I love the fact that Selly, in just franticness, and this is so relatable, right? Especially when you're operating something that you don't know, you just like start pressing buttons. I like that Selly started honking the horn in the middle of it and not to call attention to herself for her to just say, okay, what does this button do? Mm-hmm. It must do something to help me right yeah. now in my, my hour of need. It's the horn. Yeah, exactly. The horn was, was truly helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like uh, Zeus basically saying, like, yeah, I never did this before. But I play a hell of a lot of video games, so I think this might help me somehow. Um, I think the best uh, matchup was uh, Freight Train and Swifty. Who would have thought Freight Train straight out of the Fast and the Furious? Yeah, well, I guess he's driving the UPS truck around. Yeah, but I don't think necessarily all the UPS drivers are, are Dom Toretto in the making, mm-hmm. you know? They're not like, yeah, I do some drag racing in the past. You know, we, we see a picture of him in racing gear. I guess that put him naturally wanting to be behind the wheel in his day to day. But I do not necessarily automatically draw the line, logically speaking, from racing go-karts to wearing the brown shirt. <laughs> That's where they're recruiting the UPS drivers. Or are they just like hanging out like, all right, I know you're competing for the pink slips tonight, but you know what? I got a better opportunity for you. How about a job application? Want to work for FedEx? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And Freight Train, he uh, beats out Swifty and then starts doing donuts. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I did worry for a second that someone was going to break one of these machines either due to their own ineptitude or in Freight Train's case, just like doing donuts and wearing out the treads or something on these machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, look at look at Freight Train go. And, and also Freight Train's like, oh, this is redemption for falling in the water. That wasn't your fault, Freight Train. <laughs> He's beating That's himself gravity's up. gravity's fault. He's beating himself yeah, up. Yeah, don't beat yourself it. up about yeah. it. Okay. Um, we saw uh, then the last battle was uh, Sarah and Angel. Angel uh, was struggling also. He was going to end up in the bottom two. Yeah, so basically Liz and Angel had essentially the exact same problem, which is that they both stalled early on. I think as soon as Phil you know honks that whistle you basically freak out of like oh crap what do these two sticks do again i have no idea what he said and so i think that initial nervousness really manifested itself with with both of these people even though angel seems like a real mild-mannered guy he is someone who i think gets gets worked up pretty easily this is someone who beat himself up after he ended up losing that first team challenge and so as a result i think they focus more so on the the directional joystick than the blade one and so the blade just was stuck in the ground the entire time. And so mm-hmm. essentially they were doing the job of like a digger more so than a bulldozer most of the time on the slalom course. Mike, I'm looking at the Tough as Nails uh, Twitter account, official uh, at Tough as Nails CBS, and they've got a uh, freight train with a uh, how it started versus how it's going. <laughs> uh, and they have freight train uh, with his uh, drag race car and then uh, freight train now. I want I want a, a freight trains drag race show now to happen where he like uh, hosts prospective drag race drivers and freight train shows them how it's done to bring them into the more uh, the more normal job sphere of how they can apply their skills. Yes, I would like it if they had all of the uh, RuPaul's drag race lingo still. 
Yes, exactly. Like, uh, oh, who's who's the filler queen on <laughs> on uh, on on Freight Train's Drag Race? I can only imagine what snap what Snatch Game is like on that show. Okay, all right. Uh, so it looked bad for Angel and Knuckles. I'm like, I don't want to lose either of these people. Yeah, I mean, they both had big stories, right? Angel has this heartbreaking story about how he lives in Miami, his son lives in Chicago. He doesn't have a vehicle. Like, he really is excited more, even more so than the money for the, the physical truck so he can drive it to see his son. We're both fathers, Rob. I cannot imagine, like, having to be separated from my son and being basically forbidden, especially due to this time, to travel to see him. So there's a lot weighing on Angel from Knuckles as well. I cannot imagine how demeaning it must feel to be flying on top for the first two weeks and then just come crashing down over the course of essentially one day Mm -hmm. it's got to be absolutely horrible and now both of them get saved and they're like they are sobbing because i can imagine this was really on the line for them both yeah uh phil comes out says uh don't worry not elimination like don't worry and you get a prize as well, everybody. Here's here's some yeah. beer and soda. Beer and soda. How about that? Uh, that not since the big uh, picnic uh, that yeah. uh, Roofer Lee and everybody went to. Uh, we haven't seen refreshments at a challenge. I wonder if was this sort of like a oh, let's let's do something for them. They've had a tough couple of days. They lost a couple of people. Let's give them some some booze on the house. A morale boost. Uh, yeah. So it was beers and then soda for whoever's driving. At least they didn't do the survivor and give milk to the to the, the the non-alcoholic drinkers, right? And for you, freight train, you're driving. You'll have a <laughs> t- cold glass of milk. Yes, uh, milk actually a character on freight train's drag race. <laughs> <laughs> got milk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got milk, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, I guess it was, it was also sort of a, you know what, it was an awkward way to finish the episode, right? Of like, oh, psych, Phil brings them over to the, to the, what, the punch card area and says, there, we didn't set anything up. There's no props here. Therefore, you're all safe. It would be a weird way to end the, end the episode. So at least they all get like a, a moment to, to toast one another and say, hey, a couple of people aren't here, but we made it through a tough day. Let's move on to another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like Shawshank Redemption, where it was like, uh, well, we just got done working on the on building the roads, and then we got some cold beers to sit there and look at the sky. Uh-oh. Is next week going to be Team Challenge call through, what, two miles of, uh, of dump <laughs> yeah. Put to get them out to the other side? And then they have to dig out of the jail like uh, with a spoon. <laughs> Recently escaped prisoners represent 0.005% of the workforce today. Yeah, you're gonna build a boat in Mexico to escape with your with your future cellmate. Challenge would be good. Okay, all right. Um, Scott has an advantage. We saw mm-hmm. you know, Murph, and also it was Drywall Danny. They yeah. racked up a lot of advantages last season. Uh, ultimately, they ended up in the final two. That uh, do you think that Scott having an advantage that he will be able to uh, really parlay this into long-term success. I think that I'm trying to remember if they chained advantages back to back. I I know that uh, it seemed like last season they came like every other episode, Mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, Yeah. Where, or maybe not. Now I'm, I'm reading back and like the person who finished the fastest in the trash challenge got an advantage in the fire one. And the person who got, uh, or no, no, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. But it did seem like we were alternating every other episode was an advantage. So I don't know if it'll be a case where Scott gets an advantage that makes him automatically win the next challenge, essentially, which then gives him another advantage. But I think it certainly is going to help if maybe he's in a task that is not going to be in his wheelhouse. Now he's going to be able to, I don't know, maybe shave a little bit of time. Or I, can't, I don't know if, if it, it looks like they're doing a lot of sheep herding next episode mm-hmm. so maybe that means he has to herd less sheep into his yes. pen which is going to help a lot uh do you think that we will hear any uh stories about uh rattling their dags no oh, that's a good question are they going to have to uh cut off the rattling <laughs> dags is that is that one going to be the the overtime challenge shear the sheep yeah okay um mike any other thoughts about tough as nails week three well i think we need to bring something up yes you know recently on rob rom nikivanita podcast you went back to gen z 
And surprisingly, Rob, despite the older skew of this cast, it has been brought to our attention that we have a devout TikTok star on Tough as Nails season two. Oh, yes, yes. I saw that you were talking about this on Twitter. I didn't watch the, the videos. Uh, should we play any of them? Yeah, let's, let's play a couple. So Scott, speaking of Scott, uh, apparently, according to, I think Stephen Leanne sent this our way. Apparently, Scott actually has like kind of gone viral on TikTok. And it's, he hasn't like he's not doing anything. He's not doing any dances or snacking into a pack of hot dogs like I think you do on TikTok. It seems like he's just like sitting there and uh, just telling stories in his very giggly, ebullient way. But it's apparently hitting big with Gen Zers on TikTok. OK. All right. Uh, so uh, do you have it queued up or do you want me to play these? Yeah, yeah, if you want to play it, sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, let me see if I can bring them up here. Uh, give me, uh, Mike, just uh, filibuster yeah, yeah, yeah. for a second it. while I uh, pull this up, because I want to bring this into the YouTube video. So I'll talk about next week. It seems like we are going back to the barnyard. It seems like we're going to the farm. This feels like... It's weird. I would say like this is the first time we're revisiting a location. I guess we technically revisited a location in this episode with the construction stuff that we were doing distinctly different tasks. It feels like we're going back to amazing race based stuff with herding sheep. That very much seems to me like something you would do in like Ireland or the UK in general at large on the amazing race. So it looks like that DNA still being mixed in. We'll see how good people are. Who's going to be the sheep whisperer of this group. Uh, we talk, I mean, they they met with animals an episode ago with the slime eels. Mm-hmm. Does, will Angel have a fear of sheep as well? So they met with animals. Right. I yeah, they had they had the, they uh, they had an encounter with animals. I should say <laughs> last week, unless unless you don't consider a slime eel an animal. No, I, I do. I do. So it does. It does seem like we're alternating weeks here with working with animals. Yeah. Okay. So let's check out what uh, Scott Henry is up to. Uh, Mike, you tell me when you see one that we want to uh, uh, check out. All right. Uh, it looks like. Uh, Says, this is not an exaggeration. That sounds interesting. This is not an exaggeration. Okay. All right. Let's let's check let's check out what is uh, Scott up to on TikTok. Uh, mm. Every time I walk into my wife changing clothes. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Right, Scott. Uh, wait, uh, so wait, Scott. What? Wait. I think what? that he's not dancing, not. Mike. Uh, apparently, <laughs> no he is. Uh, I guess he's throwing that in, Scott. Mishka, I love this question. No regrets. Zero regrets. Do you have any regrets? Yeah, I get some hate about opening your heart to over two million people. It. it comes with the territory. I'm so happy I can share and be vulnerable, and hopefully, it helps someone and makes someone be happy and smile. That's why I do it. Mishka, okay. I love this. Yeah, so Scott does have two million followers on uh, TikTok. That's ridiculous, Rob. We don't have two million followers anywhere. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Seems like Scott's doing something right that we're not. Though, though I do wonder. You know, Scott does have a good number of relatives. Could it just be like their <laughs> network of people? Yeah. Okay. So good for good for Scott. I didn't know he had this whole side to him. Uh, they don't really highlight this on Tough as Nails. Uh, Scott's TikTok career. I don't think Phil's necessarily that tuned in. To to the to TikTok of like oh we really got to highlight the TikTok accounts yeah. of uh of you know Scott Henry it's very clear that he's making it big there but I wonder maybe that's how he was discovered we don't know how the the casting is done could could someone have been like oh you got to find this guy he's a construction foreman uh, mm-hmm. he's really big on TikTok let's see if we want to bring him on yeah so oh, that's wild uh, okay to Scott Henry the TikTok star that I was under the impression that like. Oh, did you know that he also makes TikToks? Like, oh, that would have been wild. Uh, but it looks like that he is a... I don't know how he has time to work. I, I really don't either. How does, <laughs> how does he is able to, to make time to make TikToks? I don't know. Maybe we're doing something wrong and that maybe we're... I don't know. I don't use TikTok, but perhaps uh, if we're pouring too much work into them cumulatively that you just need to like sit there with a few mm-hmm. seconds before you get back on the job with a nice hat on and then you get 2 million followers. Yeah. Boom. All right. So, uh, yeah, good for... Good for Scott. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to. Uh, I'm. I'm excited to to see more. Maybe we can have a segment. Oh, does, where we did do, Mikey like, eyebrows leave to go start a TikTok? Oh, maybe Scott convinced him. Like, okay, I got to become a social media mogul now. So I've mm-hmm. got to to go to jumpstart my career, even though the show hasn't aired yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Mike. Anything else uh, tough as nails? 
I don't think so. Uh, we're already a third of the way through the season, which is pretty ridiculous. And we've somehow shed two people along the way. But but I am, you know what? I am confident that despite the awkwardness, and maybe we'll get some more answers about what happened behind the scenes after the fact. It seemed like afterwards the episode was able to proceed as smoothly as possible, taking a roller to, to, all the, to everything that had happened mm-hmm. behind the scenes. I'm confident we can move on with these 10 and still produce a really fun season. So again, an, an odd episode, I think, to watch and to cover, but I, I enjoyed getting to do so, and I'm excited to see what these remaining 10 do next. Yeah, as far as it being five versus five, like, sounds good to me. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, again, as long as the teams are, like, relatively even and we didn't have to deal with the awkward circumstances of, okay, now it's five Dirty Hands versus six Savage Crew at all times. Yeah. At least now this... Now this just feels like, okay, it's a smaller season than it was before. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm good with that. I mean, that would uh, be nice uh, if Tara didn't get hurt, but she was fine on the show. I, I'm not going to, like, I didn't say, yeah. like, they really missed Tara this week. And Mikey I mean, Eyebrows was a big personality, but we're, we're fine. She got, I think, uh, she was very fortunate that she ended up, you know, her final week ended up being the, the week that was really in her wheelhouse. I would have mm-hmm. felt really bad if she had to leave and then the very next week was the week at the marina, right? Because then you would have felt like in a different world, she would have killed all that. Tara would have loved this. Except we're doing it for Tara. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mike, uh, what else do you have coming up? So, so much. So, Rob, you and I are going to get together tomorrow. Yes. yes. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, uh, much like Scott is making some music over on TikTok, we're going to be making some music or at least talking about some music on the newest edition of Outwit, Outplay, Outlist the Arbitrary and Reductive Survivor Ranking and Rating yes. Series. Yes. Uh, you and I are going to get together with the great Jenny Autumn to talk about some of Survivor's most memorable musical moments where mm-hmm. contestants on the show either sang copyrighted songs, made their own music sometimes. It's going to be a fun romp through Survivor history, dance, if you will. So be sure to check that out. Usual stuff over on Post Show Recaps, uh, Down the Hatch with Josh Wiggler doing the Bloom Files. With my wife Angela Bloom, we just finished season one of the X Files, moving into yeah. a very spooky arc in season two. Mike, I, I know you don't do the artwork uh, yourself, but I felt like that that was a very creepy image of a baby alien in the latest uh, Bloom Files art. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an odd image. It was literally also the very first thing we talked about in the podcast, so it's definitely something to speak about. Uh, I Angela says that this is creepier. Than when they found a the little alien in the guy's head in Men in Black. I still am, am going with the latter over the former, but mm-hmm. still a lot of creepiness to be talking about over on the Blue yeah. Files. And it's well known that you think it's way creepier to have an adult baby than a baby alien. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But if you're acting, if you're an adult baby acting like an alien, that's just <laughs> in the uncanny valley for me. That's like, I'm not even interacting with you as mm-hmm. a person or as an intergalactic species. And then back in the reality TV side of things, of course, Shannon Gus and I are covering season five of Survivor South Africa. Uh, we just finished the Merge podcast about the Merge episode, which has, no lie, the most confusing vote I have ever encountered in my Survivor fandom to the point where even seven years after the fact, Wikipedia isn't even getting it right. So mm-hmm. we, we tried to talk through it all from what we were able to glean and get into everything with that. And then actually, I'm going to be, uh, as a little bit of an announcement, I'm going to be getting together with Karen Armstrong and, and maybe some surprises here or there to do something special for Big Brother Canada, oh. which season nine is starting uh, very soon. Actually, I believe it'll be premiering the same night as the next Tough as Nails episode. We're going to be doing a Big Brother Canada think tank where we're going to uh, talk through some of our own ideas for twists, talk to some of the listeners about their ideas for twists. We know that Big Brother Canada loves twists much love like it. a bulldozer they, much like a bulldozer on a slalom course they love to twist and turn and do donuts and so tara and i thought it'd be a fun opportunity to sort of get together sift through some of the most serious and silly game-changing suggestions and see what could really work for this show so all that great stuff going on and i do believe rob that you and i have a brand skill coming up in the next uh, week or so as well mm-hmm. yep very excited about uh that as well uh coming up so a lot of mike bloom uh in the forecast and of course we'll be back uh next week next thursday uh back with jess to talk about tough as nails 
episode number four. Of course, uh, a lot going on. Uh, Rob has a website dot uh, com. I've been very busy podcasting uh, of late. I will be uh, with uh, Taryn Armstrong as we uh, do our Big Brother Canada draft on Thursday night as well. Last night on Wednesday night, I got into Survivor HHH Survivor mm. Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers uh, season. 33 in our rankings uh even though it's uh season 35 talked about that with uh jessica lease and chappelle went through all that had a lot of fun going through uh hhh and i do believe that next coming up is ghost island rob do you think tough as nails eventually should use a ghost island format where it's like uh here is uh here's the bag of murph who once, you know, uh, almost went out due to this challenge. Can you reverse the curse and uh, able to do what Murph could mm-hmm, and win yeah. this challenge instead of Here's, him? Uh, this is the hay bale that Roofer Lee needed yeah, exactly. to ring the bell against Michelle. Now it has <laughs> turned into a uh, full-fledged, I don't know, what, what would it be? Yeah, now it's like a full-fledged like haystack. Scarecrow, instead. yeah. Here's the bulldozer that <laughs> Knuckles couldn't drive. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, so Phil, maybe don't utilize that Survivor concept for next season. Yeah, I'm not sure if it went great in Survivor Ghost Island. So I don't know if we need to bring it to other shows. But anyway, so uh, we talked about that on uh, Wednesday night. I'll be closing out Pirate Master as well on the RHAP uh, Rewind uh, this week. And plenty more up at robhasawebsite.com. we normally tell you about what's going on over on uh, our Robin's Podcast uh, Patreon instead. Uh, in uh, lieu of talking about that, I want to tell people about uh, the work that is being done over at the North Texas Food Bank, ntfb.org. We recently made a contribution for Robin's Podcast to purchase uh, 3,000 meals for people in need uh, in Texas. Uh, ntfb.org is a, a great organization, but there are many others. And uh, we suggest if you have the time and the means uh take a look at some of the ways that you could help out our listeners in texas right now we will be back next week with more tough as nails our season two episode four recap coming next week uh mike anything else no i i would just you know say please support uh those that were that were going through these hardships in texas i think not to, to draw comparisons between apples and oranges but i think uh this type of show shows the hardships that we can endure just to get a roof over our heads. And for those that are unfortunately denied that due to inclement weather and other actions of the past week, let's let's try to support people if we have the means. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah. Free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance, and it's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to geico.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today.